The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Pharrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Pharrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Uh, Pharrell on a bench on a pain-free Friday. Uh, I just saw Marenzi. We'll talk to him later. He was talking about how uh, Montrez Harrell, when he got into it with Doncic, he uh, called him a, a, quote, B-ass white boy, end quote. So uh, Marenzi was talking about how, uh, you know, I thought the uh, NBA players were all about equality. And uh, he said only when it's convenient for them. So uh, there's a little uh, taste for you tonight. Called him a B-ass white boy right to his face. So, and everybody saw it and everybody could uh, hear him and everyone could read his lips. There's no escaping it. So I guess it's all right for him to say whatever he wants. And what's next, cracker? Is that what's next? Uh, your boy Doncic rolled his ankle horribly. I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, full on 10, but it was like a seven at least. He rolled it and he's standing on the sideline right now trying to get it loose. He can't, he can't even get it loose. I, uh, he I'm wasn't putting any him. weight all, all the way up to the locker room. He was jumping on the other leg. He was not putting any weight on that whatsoever. He's, he's over there right now trying to get it like loose and, and trying to get it so he could like get back in the game. He can't. He can't put any weight on it. He's got nothing. It's injured. He's he's got a he's had this ankle before. Do you remember? He's had uh, ankle problems this season. So that's a huge development in this series. If they don't have Doncic, I'm sorry. The Mavericks are done. Right now they're in big trouble. It's 96-82, under a minute left in the third. I mean, I don't even think Seth Curry could take his game to a level uh, to control with like Hardaway and Burke and all these guys. If they could handle that kind of pressure that Doncic not being out there would do to that team. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, we're on the bench. So, uh, Mavi, what do you think of that? Of uh, Harold talking that way to Doncic after he made a basket. Uh, if if Doncic uh, said that to Harold and they caught wind of it, the press, uh, even you know anybody, the players, social media, it doesn't matter. Uh, radio, TV, network, cable, I don't care what it is. If he said that to Harold. All hell would break loose. I mean, a guy wouldn't even be able to leave the hotel room. He'd be so screwed. If he said that to Harold, his whole life would change dramatically. But it's okay for Harold to say it to him? Forget not being able to leave the hotel room. He wouldn't be in the bubble. They'd kick him out. They'd say, you're done for the season. We're not having this. You know, with all the messages they have on the court, all the messages on the jersey. If someone did something like that where they thought that you weren't you know, being okay with equality and everyone, you know, being on the same page and things like that, he'd be gone. They wouldn't let him here for the playoffs. And, you know, right now, as far as we've seen, I haven't seen a big deal about it in this game. I mean, obviously we're not listening. I'm not looking on social media. So maybe it is being a big deal. Maybe we'll see it more tomorrow. Maybe the league will come out and maybe at least force him to say, you know, some kind of apology. But I think that's Bush League right there. That's not cool. If you're going to make this big statement that we're all together and we're all one, then you can't be bringing up race either way. He's back on the floor, Doncic, with his bad ankle. I don't think he looks good at all. Do you think they're risking it, letting him? Uh, he hurt his ankle in the last series or in against the uh, Clippers earlier in the series, and now he's hurt it again. This time he rolled it hard. You can just see him roll it. It's the left ankle, and it went rolling over. He limped all the way back to the dressing room. Oh, not only was it left ankle, too. It seemed like the, the knee of Kawhi or if, if whoever was driving, like their knee hit his and kind of knocked his knee out, like almost like he was going to hyperextend that. And to make up for it, like he snapped the, the leg back and that's what turned the ankle. So he could have almost hyperextended his knee or, you know, broken his ankle, twisted it, ripped it. I don't know. But I think yeah, this might be very, very stupid. He can't play right now. He's out there limping. He, he can't even run. So I think they're just stupid to let him play. The game's like, get already. There, ice it, do something, treat it like you have games left. This is this. They'll be up two one. This isn't the end of the series. Yeah, he's out there running it like he's he's like thirty percent. You can see it right now. Look at him. He he can't even run. I mean, this he's is 30%. unbelievable. He's only getting through on pure adrenaline right now. The second he stops playing, and you know, half an hour after the game, an hour after the game, it's gonna hit him. He's. I guarantee you, he's leaving this arena on crutches tonight. Yeah, it's only going to get worse. And this is going to affect this series, don't you think? Like, Burke can't handle that gig. I mean, he'll do a decent job. 
and and Curry can shoot some threes here and there, but they there's nothing like Doncic the way he uh, makes plays and creates buckets and scores. Uh, there's I mean he's a triple double machine. The guy's a freak, and neither one of those guys are capable of doing that. I mean, not even close. No, like you said, it's not just about the scoring; it's about the complete effect. You know that you being so joined to him leaves other guys open for those shots, and he can give them assists and get things going, whether it's at the bucket or you know maybe get an outside shot here or there. If you don't have him there, you're guarding everybody one on one. You're not doubling him or you know having guys shade over to help. I don't even think you're going to shade over to help against KP, and that changes the dynamic of the team completely. So, uh, what did you think of? Uh, and we'll keep our eyes on him right now. One hundred two eighty eight Clippers and and Harold's at the line, talking bad about white people. So anyway, what's the deal with um, uh, Milbury? Do you think uh, you know? I know there's some people that don't believe that he did anything wrong uh, with what he said about women. Uh, there's no women around to distract the players uh, to interfere with the players is I think the word he used. Is that about right? Isn't that what he said? So, um, you know, the league, uh, just the league just completely spoke out against him. They just completely freaked on him on Milbury and, and his, you know, I, I don't have the, the press release in front of me, but I, I read it and it was all about, we were distancing ourselves from him completely. He's an idiot. Basically. Like what he said was terrible, abhorrent. So then uh, I saw several women that are involved in hockey. They all are shredding him like in a wood chipper. Have you seen him, Mavia? Like all these women are just bashing him like nobody's business. Yeah, I've absolutely so, seen it. So do you think what he said was bad? I think it's a situation where we've seen, you know, like the same thing with kind of players when you're talking about discipline for players and things they do on the ice. I think it's the same thing for him where when you add it up to the as the whole of all the things he's said and done over the years, you know, and because he's kind of a repeat offender with saying some stupid things and putting his foot in his mouth, I right. think that makes it worse in a lot of people's mind. It's almost like a like a Draymond Green where, you know, the, the, anything that guy does, you can be like, oh, my God, again, you know, it's just another stupid thing. What are you doing? I don't think it's as bad as some of the things he's always said, but I think it is stupid. I think it's uninformed. You know, it is, you know, just typical Milbury, really, sadly. And that's the sad thing that's become that over the years, that that's, this is who this guy has been. He's just saying stupid things, putting his foot in his mouth. It's not the worst thing he said, but it's also not okay. Like you said, you want to talk about, you know, inclusion, you want to talk about, you know, everybody being on the same playing field and equal. And, you know, there's a lot of women involved in the league, whether it be, as executives or as you know, writers, as you know, people who cover the sport. So to kind of say that all they're really good for is distracting players is definitely, you know, not, it's not cool. It puts them on a, a lower level, saying that they're not as good as you, that they, you know, they're just a distraction. There's a pain in the butt, and that's not true. So it's definitely not cool in this day and age. I mean, you got bottom women line, calling the game for them. Bottom you know, line is, he, bottom line is, he said, uh, there's not women here to disrupt your concentration. And the league called the comment insensitive and insulting and said it communicated uh, those concerns to NBC, the TV rights holder in the U.S. Milbury apologized. Of course he did. They made him. I don't even want to read it. I don't even care. Do you remember back in 2011, he uh, called the Canucks players, uh, the Sedin twins, Thelma and Louise? 
And then um, he's also said in the past uh, about the Penguins coach, Dan Bilesma should have taken off his skirt and gone over there during an in-game scuffle. Uh, So he's done many things. That's what he does. And then uh, they'll say, well, that's who he is. He's he always says things like that. That's his style. That's his M.O. It's nothing new for Mike Milbury. I think you even just said it like this is what we're we've grown accustomed to. Mike Milbury's put his foot in his mouth before. Bottom line is bottom line is here's the bottom line. Is that the league? And all the women are mad. (laughs) Okay, so the league's mad. Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the league office is mad. And all the women that have anything to do with the NHL are all mad. I saw that. uh, What's her name? Katie Strang or whatever. She covers the league uh, for ESPN or something like that. Or she's a big name in, in women covering hockey. And she wrote she's sick and tired of this shack. She just she wrote a, a column that uh, you know I did. It was in the Athletic, I believe, right? Is where she wrote it, and uh, I could be wrong, but I think she did. And and uh, they stopped it. Uh, like I, I, you know, I had to subscribe or something to read the rest of it. But it just the beginning of it, she was just shredding him. So if she's doing it, and all these other women are doing it, then they don't like it. It's that simple. Now, here he is leaving the floor again, right? He tried to play, can't, because I told you he can't run. He's out there uh, limping. He's got a triple-double, 13, 10, and 10, but he's done for the night. Now he's going to the locker room. He's done. He can barely walk. So he's out of the game for good, and now they got a problem on their hands with Doncic and his uh, left ankle for the rest of the series. And uh, they're losing this game, 110-97. Make it 8, 98. So they're down 12 right now with eight and a half to go rolling. We'll talk to Andy Larson of the Salt Lake Trib after the Jazz undressed the Nuggets today to take a 2-1 lead in that series. It's Pharrell on a bench. Go with us. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Anyway, uh, we'll talk about it. Hopefully, we'll be able to get in a couple comments with uh, Marenzi at the top of the hour before Sports Rage about uh, Milbury and about um, what was the other one uh, I was talking about with him, uh, Mafia. Oh, yeah, about Harold. So remember those two, and then we'll bring those up to him um, at the top of the hour because I have early for Alzheimer's. Andy Larson is our buddy, covers the jazz for the Salt Lake Trib. Uh, and what a performance by the Jazz in these last two games. Let's bring Andy in. Hope you're doing well, buddy. How's everything? I'm good. How about you? I'm chilling. I'm doing better than uh, Doncic. Did you see him roll his ankle? Are you watching that game by any chance? I did, yeah, and try to come back in, and then just too much pain. That's that's a bummer, because obviously you want to see a close series, especially from a Jazz point of view, right? If these guys could, uh, if Dallas could tire the Clippers out before presumably they move on, that would be good from a, whoever moves on in this Jazz Nuggets series. I mean, I would think uh, without him, as you know, I think most people are going to think they're doomed. They're just not going to have the same type of, of points going in, playmaking. Uh, he makes buckets. That's what he does. He, he's like in the kitchen making dinner. The guy creates points. And I don't think Burke, I don't think Berea, I don't think, uh, Curry, any of them can do what he does. And I think they even know that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they were the best offensive rating team of all time this year. So that they were able to do that was entirely because of Luca. And, you know, obviously they've got good pieces around him. Chris Ops is a talented offensive player. Like you say, Berea, Curry, uh, Tim Hardaway, obviously, but like, yeah, I mean, it all rotates around Luca as much as uh, any team rotates around any player in the league. So uh, what did you I, – I couldn't even believe what I saw today with the Jazz. I mean, that was so bad. I started watching uh, Inter Milan and Seville in the Europa final in <laughs> Spanish. And I said that on TV today. I was actually – I gave up on the game. That game was so bad. It was such a dominant blowout that it was uh, it was unwatchable. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. You know, obviously it's my job to cover the Jazz side of things, and I thought the Jazz played well, but, man, the Nuggets looked really, really bad. And I think some of it's because of Gary Harris and Will Barton being out, and they rely on those two guys. You know, without them, they don't have the kind of length and athleticism on the perimeter to deal with the Jazz. But, you know, we saw them make just stupid turnover after stupid turnover. They couldn't defend at all. You know, the Jazz could make one, two, three passes and just get a wide open three or a Rudy Gobert dunk. And it's just like, is this really the, the, this is not the third seed in the West that we're used to seeing. You know, this is, we, we know the Denver Nuggets are a good team. We it just, it, they are not playing well at all right now. And quite frankly, they haven't played well in the bubble. You know, they've been the worst defensive team in the bubble. So this has kind of been a continuation of a week's long trend now. They had 17 turnovers and, uh, you know, I was watching for a while and I was just like, uh, first of all, Millsap looks completely washed. And and then Porter had all those great games in the bubble two weeks. And now all of a sudden he's gone back to being a mystery because remember people used to say, I wonder if Michael Porter's ever going to amount to anything. And then he had a couple of good weeks in the bubble. People are like, Michael Porter's one of the five best players in the bubble. He's going to be a star. He's taken all the uh, starting minutes away from people. And now look at him. I mean, what was that? Uh, he takes six shots in the game. 
I mean, and they barely played him again. He's gone back to, like, not mattering all of a sudden. You watched him play against the Jazz. I mean, if they're not going to get anything from him, Millsap, and then uh, Murray had a bad game. I mean, no one on that team did anything. They're screwed if they can't get those guys scoring more than that. Yeah, and look, like, I mean, with Michael Porter Jr., obviously he had those two tremendous games in the bubble and scoring 30 points twice in a row. Like, and that's awesome. But now we're kind of seeing the flip side of him, which is that he's not a defender. Uh, and I don't know if it's that he's still kind of recovering from the injury or whatever it is. He may just be too big, but, like, he does not have the lateral quickness to kind of keep up with guys like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. And even, like, a, a Joe Ingles, who is not fleet of foot or – Jordan Clarkson is just too quick for him. And and so, you know, if, if the Nuggets screen or they switch anything at all, they can just put uh, Michael Porter Jr. on whichever perimeter jazz player they, they want and have him go to work. And as a result, you know, the jazz can just toast him. And and so it, it resulted in a lot of those threes that resulted in Donovan Mitchell scoring 57 in game one. And, you know, I think now Denver is, kind of in their head a little bit in terms of like, okay, we can't play Michael Porter Jr. Uh, but that means, you know, Paul Millsap, like you said, has been terrible in the series. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where they kind of run out of guys a little bit, which shocks me because, you know, if you would have asked me which of the two teams had the better depth coming into the series, it's it was the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, now the Jazz bench looks, you know, they have like a solid enough six guys and, couple of guys who can hit threes and you know rebound around them and uh, you know the nuggets look like they're a fish out of water a little bit i mean i listen even guys like o'neal i thought in his burn got like eight boards i thought he worked the glass pretty hard four dimes gobert was unbelievable the 24 14 enough said 11 of 15 it seemed like every shot he took was either a layup or a dunk i mean and then he's just uh, in the last two games, he's been swatting those airplane wing arms of his. I thought uh, I don't think I've ever seen Gobert have an easier time of it, like against anybody. Like that guy was just absolutely hanging on the rim. Yeah, I mean, like the only game I can think of was the Jazz were playing the Knicks two years ago, and I think he put up thirty-five on national TV. And you know, if I'm comparing your defensive performance to a New York Knicks regular season game from. January 2018 or whatever it is, uh, that's not a good sign for a playoff team. It, it, you know, that, like I said, it's you know the the third seed is supposed to be playing to that level. But you're right, like you know, because these perimeter players can't guard on the outside, that means they have to double. That means they have to trap the pick and roll, and and that just means that Rudy Gobert's got these free lanes to run down the rim. And you know, credit for him for for doing that. You know, credit him for staying big, catching the ball, finishing. We, we know that those aren't necessarily you know, things every big man can do, but, you know, if, if the Nuggets are going to make it that easy, and, and I think the Jazz have some good passers, then, uh, you know, you're going to see some really big games from Rudy Gobert just because the paint is so wide open. Uh, Andy Larson with us from the Salt Lake trip. What did you think of Conley? He goes away, uh, comes back, quarantines, and passes a couple tests, and then goes out and hits seven three-pointers. Like the guy, uh, you know, usually when you're in the burn, when you're playing and you're playing, you can stroke from anywhere and you got your J. If you step away for a few days and you don't do anything, 
typically most ballers think that guy's not going to have a shot tonight. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy goes out and drops seven dimes. He drops seven threes, uh, seven of eight from three. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I, I, I'm shocked as well. And, you know, I guess, you know, there was kind of, they have the, that little short workout period when they're in quarantine, or I think they can leave the room for like 15 minutes a day. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is crazy that he was able to like just come out and, and hit the shots. And, you know, I think some of them were kind of the easy catch and shoot plays that, you know, the rest of the Jazz's offense generated. But when he plays with that second unit and, and he does for the Jazz, uh, those second unit minutes where he's kind of the leader, kind of like we was when in Memphis last year, that's when he can really kind of score, take some difficult shots, set his teammates up. And I thought he looked really good in those bench units, bench minutes. So, uh, you know, hitting some tough threes and pull up shots that, that is kind of the best of Mike Conley. So obviously, you know, that was kind of the question after game two is like, okay, the Jazz are on a roll. Now what happens when Mike Conley comes back? Are they going to be the same team, you know, with a lack of size, or are they going to be able to rebound as well, et cetera, et cetera. And, he proved everyone wrong. He came back and did uh, his way surpassed expectations and, you know, was the Jazz's leading scorer in a huge blowout. I mean, uh, Spite is doing his thing. He had that huge game one when they lost. And then the last two games, he's just done his normal uh, routine. I thought 20 points. I, he wasn't great or anything, but uh, I think he's been really good in the series, don't you? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the 57 points was awesome in game one. It's, it's the best game of his career for sure, um, and, and just how efficient he was. But I love that in game two, when the Nuggets kind of, uh, I think they were like, okay, we need to stop Donovan Mitchell. That's the number one thing on, on the scouting report. And we're going to send a second help guy from the wing. We're going to, again, trap and pick and roll. We're going to do whatever it takes to get it out of Donovan Mitchell's hands and try to make some of the role players do some stuff. Donovan Mitchell made the right play. And there were times in his career, you know, year one, year two, where he would have absolutely been like uh, taking that on as a challenge and said, Hey, if you're going to try to double team me, I'm going to still try to score at the rim. And that's obviously not the smartest plan. Uh, and so that he came out and had a 30 point, uh, eight assist game in game two. And then again, facilitated today, 20 points, but you know, he only played, he didn't need to play that many minutes because the jazz were up by 30 by the middle of the third quarter. I mean, I, I think it's really the best three-game stretch of his career because he's kind of showing an ability to do it all, to score and pass, playmake, and be kind of the number one guy on a really efficient offense. No doubt. Uh, I think they're in a great spot right now, up 2-1, and they look like they're in the Nuggets' heads. The Nuggets were a joke today. Uh, Andy, good catching up. Thanks for uh, talking about the Jazz with us on the bench tonight. Let's see how the rest of the series goes. We'll uh, catch up with you down the road if the Jazz keep winning. Hey, sounds good. Thanks for the time. My man, Andy Larson with the uh, Salt Lake Tribune uh, covering the Jazz down in the bubble. And uh, they had a big win today. Blew out the Nuggets. So Doncic is done. He's sitting over on the bench getting treatment. He rolled his left ankle. He tried to come back in a game. He couldn't. And it's 120 to 108. Make it 122 to 108. Clippers on the Mavs, 440 left. So I was just looking at the uh, Millberry stuff. I mean, you could read about that for an hour.
<laughs> There's so many comments about it. People just freaking out on Mike Milbury for his comment about women. It's just endless, the stream of, of people just going off on him. It's just never ending. It's like the yellow brick road. 124-110 clip joint. Three and a half to go. This game uh, looking like it's in the bag. Mafia, didn't you say you did in-game at minus 14? I got oh, minus God. 14 and a half once Doncic went out, so I'm sweating this one out a little more than I thought I'd be. You sure are. So let's just ride that lightning for the rest of the show to see if you cover that 14 and a hook. All right, so all the Mafia's uh, UFC uh, picks are on Pharrellandevents.com tomorrow. And then what happened in Bellator tonight, Mafia? Did you find out? That's still ongoing so far. Uh, Roy Nelson got beat up in loss, as we thought. You know, the plus 650 underdog did not win. And uh, Julia Budd just closed out her fight uh, with a decision victory. So she bounces back after her loss to Cyborg. And now we're moving on to Bader in the main event. Are you streaming that? I am. I got the tablet going. How are their fights? Have they been decent? Yeah, I mean, they had the card a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Chandler and Benson Henderson. And you also had the Dimitrione fight, Timothy Johnson on there, which had a little controversy. Now you got this fight card, which has a, you know, a couple of names that you know, like I said, and Roy Nelson's on the back end of his career. Julia Budd, people uh, who follow the women's end of the sport know her from Invicta and Strike Force, And, you know, has won a bunch of fights, but never made it over to the UFC. But now you get how to the main event. Was, how fat was Nelson? How fat is he always? You know, they, he's not called big country because the guy's slim. Come on. He, he's one of those guys that probably should have competed at light heavyweight, but just never wanted to get in shape. I mean, he's always put, you know, pushing the scales. It's not like, you know, he's one of those guys that's a heavyweight at like 230 because he doesn't want to lose weight. Like he's a 260 heavyweight. So Curry just hit a, a three. He's got 22, 10 in the quarter. So <laughs> I'm worried for your 14 and a hook. They're down nine. So I, it's like I said, Curry's capable of hitting some shots. So's Burke. So's Hardaway. So's Berea. But none of them can do what Doncic can do. Trust me, you. None of them. So I just wanted to look at uh, in terms of tomorrow, because I know I did uh, the plays for tomorrow already. Just so you know, Pacers and Heat are the... Uh, Game, it's game three there. Miami land five. They're up two zip in the series. The early game is Bucks Magic. Bucks Magic. Bucks laying 12. That series 1 1. And then at uh, six, Rockets Thunder. Houston laying three. Rockets up two, two zip. And then Lakers evened it up at ones with a blowout win the other night. And now uh, they take on the Blazers tomorrow night, 8 30. Lakers laying seven. Mafia, what do you think happens with the Lakers-Blazers uh, game three after uh, Dame time dislocated his finger and after they got their ass blown out in uh, game two? I'm not feeling as good about that series as it was early on. You know, I thought that it could go seven. I thought they could really scrape and claw and beat them up and, you know, take a couple games here or there, just outworking them. And, you know, look like that after game one, the way they came out and, you know, stuck it to the Lakers. But now after game two, how badly they beat them, they could do nothing right yesterday. Now if Dame's going to be hampered with that finger, I mean, he's talking about still playing, but still you've talked about that, the pain and the hesitancy it gives you from you know, not wanting to make it worse or right. just how off you feel with your shot and your ball handling. Can't hit it. The, the, 
yeah, I I don't like it at all. You know, you got McCollum with the messed up back. You got him with the busted fingers. Zach Collins is out now, so they don't have as much size. It's looking ugly now. I mean, uh, there's no one that uh, you know as well as I do. I mean, I don't know how many times you've done it, but uh, you know I've done it a bunch. Uh, snapped fingers and thumbs, and it's no joke. And like playing with it, like broken thumbs and broken index fingers, playing with it's even worse because if anybody hits it at all, you're just in agony because you've seen me play with it. and. Uh, I've had broken thumbs and fingers and I'll tell the people like I'll literally because we usually know the people we're playing with. Right. You play with a lot of people, you know, and uh, I'll say, listen, bro, don't be chopping down on me today. I got a broken thumb. This ain't the NBA. You know what I mean? Like because people when they play, they get uh, crazy. People get intense like they get really ultra alpha competitive. Right. To win no matter what in the street. In the gym, in a rec league, it doesn't matter. People go all out. They go nuts. People people lose their shack. They absolutely are out of their minds. And though if like in the NBA, if you, if they know you've got like a broken thumb or a finger, they'll hit it. They'll hand check you. They'll smack it. When you if you have the ball and you're dribbling, you're gonna get smacked because they'll take advantage of anything they can. If they can hurt them again, they'll do it. And I believe that the Clippers know now they smell blood with no Doncic. They smell blood. They're only up 11 right now, a minute 35 and rolling left in the game. And Kawhi's got the rock and Shamit from three bricks. So now they can, uh, they can cut it even further, a foul call. So Dallas has the rock, and they called a foul on Zubats. And uh, it's nine right now. Or 11. It's 11 now. 128, 117. Minute 27 left. Doc's giving Sham at the business. So there you go. And then uh, tomorrow, by the way, Avs stars. So that'll be game one of that uh, Western semi. Remember, uh, what'd you say? It was 4 nothing. What's the score now? 4 nothing. Let me see. I can pull it up really quick. 4 nothing. Canucks over the Blues. Early in the third, about three minutes in. That game's over. The uh, Blues won the Stanley Cup. I hope you enjoyed that, St. Louis, because you'll remember that the rest of your life. There's nothing like winning that Stanley Cup. And then um, pretty much don't talk about anything else. Like, don't talk about this this season or this year or this playoff or don't even bring it up. <laughs> Just talk about last year. When you go out to have your dinner outdoors with the COVID and everything, you go to the barbecue outdoors at the picnic table, just bring up last year. Don't bring up this year because no one wants to hear you talk about this year's team bending over. Like, are you kidding me? In a game six, you don't show up. You're in a bubble in Edmonton and you don't show up for a game six when you're down three, two. Honestly, Mafia, what are they doing? They didn't show up tonight. They're down 4 nothing. It's one thing to say they got their ass beat. It's another thing to just not show up. Right. We've talked about it with a number of guys in both the NHL and NBA with the whole bubble situation that, you know, at some point when these guys realize, you know, it's lost, they're just going to pack it in and say, forget it. I just want to go home. And, in, you know, I guess say that did happen before the game because they, you know, came back, they forced this game. They, you know, had some pressures last two before that third loss. So it looked like they were still in it. They made them, you know, fight for it. 
But then once they got down two goals today, they just said, forget it. You know, they were thinking in their head how they were organizing their bags to get the hell out of there because they did not give anything after they were down two goals. So Dallas is down eight now with 20 seconds left. So I'm very concerned about your 14 and a hook in game. Not happening. Yeah, I'm screwed. Not happening. Screwed. Of course not. Of course not. Do you blame Doncic or? No, I blame the Clippers for letting up. I mean, how you, you lose Doncic and you're letting this team get back in this and get it within 10 points. You should have blown them out by 30 the second that guy went out. They didn't. Uh, I, I doubt they had a team meeting about your bet, but I wish they would. I think it'd make the show more entertaining if we had access to the sound from the meeting. Well, Mavi, time out. They call uh, time out. They call time yeah. out and they have a huddle and they're like, listen, Mavi has got 14 and a hook end game. We need to hit some threes here really quick with the last minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure a PG 13 made it clear on Instagram uh, after last game. He doesn't care what we think. So I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about my bet. So you're not going to watch the Indy 500 on uh, Sunday, Mavi? <laughs> I haven't watched it the first 35 years of my life. I'm going to start now. So you're laughing at the great institution of the Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing. You're laughing at it like it doesn't exist in the world. It's not that it doesn't exist. Teach their own if they want to go. You know, People want to watch it. People are into it. Have at it. Enjoy it. People love NASCAR. Go for it. You know, It's not my thing to sit down and watch that. I mean, even... I like playing golf. I don't sit and watch it until it gets down to a Sunday and you know, you're in the last hour of it because I don't want to follow 120 guys and what they're doing. I want to follow five you know, when it matters. You've never seen, uh, if you've ever been to that place, it'd blow your mind. Like the- I'm sure it's a great person. I just, I, I've never been there, so I don't have that connection to it like you do. I know you've been there a ton. The, the sights and the sounds and the crowd is like a half a million people. It's uh, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen, and the noise is unbelievable. The the engines when they're driving 225 miles an hour, whatever it is, it's the craziest noise you've ever. It's like more noise than you can even comprehend. You can't even, uh, you can't even barely deal with it. That's how intense it is. So, and then I know that uh, PSG and. Baron Munich, I think, are playing uh, this weekend. I think it's Sunday. I could be wrong. But I think they're playing Sunday for the uh, championship of the UCL. The UCL final is the Champions League. And there's Luka Doncic going back to the locker room with a giant bag of ice taped on his ankle. And he can't even walk without just a massive limp. I mean, he's done. Look at him. I mean, are you kidding me? That guy's done. So uh, the Clippers win the game, and they go up 2-1 now on the Mavericks, and their star player has rolled his left ankle horrifically, and now uh, he can't even walk, barely. I mean, he's got a massive limp, and there you go. Quite 36 points tonight for the clip joint, and they roll, they're up 2-1, and now they don't have to worry about Doncic, it would appear to me. Mavia, after what you saw, do you think Doncic plays the next game? Not the way he's walking out there. I know he's going to want to. He's going to try everything he can. But I feel like this is just going to swell up. It's going to get more painful. And you're not going to risk this guy you know, long-term health. You're not going to have him have you know, ankle surgery and be out next season for this series. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. So, Mavia, you didn't tell me... Uh, 
if you think uh, tomorrow uh, that the Rockets, do you think they'll go up three on the Thunder? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I think that, you know, the Thunder gave what they could in, in game one and game two. And I just think that the Rockets have shown that they're better. You know, they hung with them for most of that game in game two. And then when it came down the stretch, you know, they were playing the way the Rockets wanted them to. And the Rockets started hitting their threes. And they said, all right, we got this now. And they took control and rolled with it. I, you know, I think Oklahoma City, unless they completely change what they're doing, it is just stuck. You know, the Rockets are just owning the series so far. Do you think the Magic and Vucevic can hang with the Bucs or do you think that they're dead? They're dead. That series is over. And then the Heat Pacers, uh, you like the Heat to win again and go up three? I do. I thought the Pacers were going to give them a better series, but the Heat have controlled this thing throughout. You know, it just seems like they just don't have enough shooters to keep up with what uh, the Heat are doing right now. So don't forget tomorrow night, a UFC fight night on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Frankie Edgar and Munoz fighting. Oh, it's on regular ESPN as well. What, the prelims? Or the whole thing? Yeah, main card's on regular ESPN. ESPN Plus is just the prelims. Oh, well, there you go. Very exciting. So at least we'll have some violence uh, on a Saturday night, which I appreciate wholeheartedly. It's for all on a bench. All right, Pharrell on the bench. Uh, so, Morenzi's up next, Sports Rage. Uh, we were talking on the show tonight on the bench about uh, Harold dropping the B-ass white boy quote to Doncic's face. And then we also talked about Milbury's problems with women, uh, with his comments that got all these women fired up and a lot of people fired up. A lot of people are talking about Milbury trying to get him fired and everything else. Marenzi, uh, what's your thoughts on those two things? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I think um, Milbury should be replaced just because he's kind of old and he's a relic and, you know, it's 2020 uh, right now. But Milbury didn't say anything offensive. Let's be real. Milbury's getting called out a hell of a lot more than Harold is uh, right now. But Milbury's getting called out for something that we all know that is true. I said the same thing on my show. I said it'll be interesting to see how these players react inside a bubble without the distraction of Instagram models and going out to the club uh, after the game. Coaches think like that. Milbury was a coach. Like, wake up, people. Women are a distraction of professional athletes. Uh, did I just offend people by telling you this? Uh, or in some cases, it could be men uh, distract. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know what? Relationships can distract people. Sex can distract people. It does. So, and listen, Milbury's just an idiot, but you know, I don't think, you know, I think people are, are picking the wrong battle. But people wake up every day wanting to be outraged in today's society, Scotty. But as far as Harold, it pisses me off. And I hate being that guy. I hate the Clay Travis's the world. I hate the race baiters in the sports world that feast off this stuff. The, the guy, they'll leave politics out of sports and all they do is ever talk about politics and sports. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I thought every I thought this bubble was all about equality, Scotty. I guess it is about equality when it's convenient for them, right? It's a yeah. pile of crap, and if the league doesn't suspend Harold, it's a disgrace, in my opinion. I bet he'll deny it. Meanwhile, everyone heard him, and everyone read his lips. Have a great show. Sports Rage is next. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you Monday on Coast to Coast at 4 East. Good night.